أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله Dear brothers and sisters and welcome to session number 27 of the A Lesson Per Page Quran program Inshallah today we will be beginning with page number 111 of the Holy Quran No, actually you're not that special so we have had uh, similar, uh, maybe verses before that we've spoken about when it comes to this theme, where we spoke about how there were some people in the past who um, they thought that they have to get special attention by God or from God, and that God has to send them down a certain miracle or certain book or certain signs, whatever that verse was talking about. Um, it was one of the first pages I think we covered actually. Um, so there the Qur'an was pretty clear that this is something that people before them have also asked for and it's not going to happen, it's, you know, they're not, it's nothing special about you. Here also, um, from a different angle, some people think that they are very special while that's not the case because if they were to be special, certain criteria would have, have to apply. And there's a certain way to, to know, there's a certain measuring stick that one can use to see if they're special or not. And I'll share some of those details with you, inshallah, after we recite the verse. Verse number 18 of Suratul Ma'idah. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Wa qalat al-yahudu wa nasara nahnu abna'ullahi wa ahibba'uh. Qul falima yu'adhibukum bi-dhunubikum. Bal antum basharun min man khalaq. يَغْفِرُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيُعَذِّبُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَلِلَّهِ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا وَإِلَيْهِ الْمَصِيرِ The Jews and the Christians say, we are Allah's children. And of course this is speaking about the Jews and the Christians of the Holy Prophet's time. We are Allah's children and His beloved ones. Say, then why does He punish you for your sins? Rather, you are humans from among his creatures. He forgives whomever he wishes and punishes whomever he wishes. And to Allah belongs the kingdom of the heavens and the earth and whatever is between them. And toward Allah or and toward him is the return. Okay, so this verse has two main parts in it. One part of it is talking about how they say that, you know, we're the chosen ones, we're the, we're the children of God and so on. Then the second part speaks about how God punishes whoever he wants and forgives whoever he wants. That second part we will have another verse for that I will cover inshallah in this session actually. What um, pertains to us right now is the first part of this verse where it says that the Yahud and Nasara, they say we are Allah's children. We are His loved ones. He loves us. We're special and all of that. Is that the case or not? Well, the Quran gives us a measuring stick here. That if you are special, then this is how you can know that you're special or not. And if you don't have this, what we're about to talk about, then no, you're not special. I'm sorry, no matter who you are. Special means a free pass to Jannah. Special means to be able to get away with anything you want and God will not hold you accountable. Is that the case with you or not? The verse says, فَلِمَا يُعَذِّبُكُمْ بِذُنُوبِكُمْ O Prophet, tell them, قُلْ 
Why is it that he holds you accountable and punishes you for the sins that you commit? Yeah, this is similar to what they're saying, right? Is similar to uh, you know it reminds this this whole story, this whole theme that we're talking about uh, right now, reminds one of previous verses that we had, some of which we covered, and some of which uh, were in previous pages that we covered, but we didn't cover particularly. Two of them I want to share with you. One of them was Surah Baqarah, verse 80. This is, one, uh, this is a verse that we actually covered in this program. That they say that, you know, don't worry about the hellfire. It's not going to touch you too much, you know. Uh, it'll only be a few days and it'll be over. Allah there said, قُلْ أَتَّخَذْتُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ عَهْدًا فَلَنْ يُخْلِفَ اللَّهُ Tell them, O Prophet, if I'm getting the wording correctly again, uh, if it says قُلْ in the beginning of it, أَتَّخَذْتُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ عَهْدًا فَلَنْ يُخْلِفَ اللَّهُ Tell me, are you, did, did God like give you a promise here? And if He did, then yeah, He, he won't, uh, he won't um, break His promise, but He never promised such a, such a thing. First of all, second of all, like, even if you're going to go to uh, the hellfire for only a few days, even that's not bearable. So there's nothing special here, okay? about this understanding of you, about what you think, about, you know, we're, we're fine and all that. No, 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 no. Number one. So there is no special promise Allah has given you that, okay, since you're special, I'm going gonna, I'm I'm gonna to only take you for a few days or something. No, who said that? Or Surah Baqarah verse 111, where it says, They said that no... No one except the those who are Yahud or Nasara, Jewish or Christian, will enter paradise. Tilka amaniyuhum. These are their false hopes. burhanakum in kuntum If you're really telling the truth, Bismillah, show us your proof for this claim. And then, if that proof is convincing enough for us, then so be it. If not, then you're just making stuff up, and this is just some false hope that you have. In other words. No, no one's special. It's not that you go to Jannah just because this or just because that. Every person has to do what they're supposed to do. Everyone has to live up to whatever expectations God has of them. Look at this, brothers and sisters. I mean, like, it's not like, okay, on the Day of Judgment, all you need to say is, hey, I was Muslim, hey, I was Jewish, hey, I was Christian, and that's it, free pass, you go. No, no, no. You have to have been a proper person, a proper adherent of the faith that you were supposed to adhere to. Did you live up to it? Did you do what you were supposed to do? And all of that. Um, you, can't, you can't just make Jannah for the Jews and the Christians and then tell the Muslims you're never going to make it because you're not Jewish or Christian. No, that's not how it works. No people, no uh, you know, tribe, no religion even is a chosen religion in the sense of that's the only one that's going to make it, the rest are not. Yes, Allah is the judge. Allah is the one who calls the shots. What's for sure is the last religion of Allah, which is Islam, of course, is going to be the one that is accepted because that is what Allah wants. The same way He wanted Judaism for those during Prophet Musa's time, the same way He wanted uh, Nas Nasraniyyah or, or Christianity or whatever you want to call it when during the time of Prophet Isa salam. So it's all a, it all goes back to what we talked about before in previous sessions where we would bring up this idea based on the verses of the Qur'an, this idea of... Islam and God wanting Islam and Islam means submission to God and God's will. Yes, going after that which and securing that which Allah wants from us in every day, age, era, and time. Okay, to the this is such a this is such an important uh, notion 
and concept. This idea of, yo, there's nobody that's chosen. Stop talking like this. It is such a thing and it is such a concept that I want to share with you one hadith by Imam al-Baqir in Usul al-Kafi where it gets very scary. He says, look, even us who are, you know, we believe that they are after the Holy Prophet they are the highest of God's creation. The, uh, the Imams and Infallibles of the Ahlul Bayt He says, look, even us, we there's nothing special about us in this sense, in this sense, like a free pass or, you know, just because I am a descendant of the Holy Prophet, now I'm going to make it no matter what. No, no, no. It all goes back to how much Ubudiyah, how much taqwa a person has, how much obedience to Allah a person has. So, for example, he says, he says, Ya Jabir, it's a longer hadith than this, I just chose this part of it. Ya Jabir, so he's speaking to Jabir bin Abdullah. Wallahi ma yutaqarrabu ila Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala illa bitta'ah. That look, by Allah, the only way to get close to Allah is through ta'ah, obedience. So in other words, just because you're Jewish, just because you're Christian, just because you're a um, follower of Ahl Bayt or things like that, that isn't, that is very good, but is it going to be enough? He's saying, no, the only way you get close is after you figure these things out of what faith you're going to follow, then how much obedient you are going to be to Allah. That's what matters. وَمَا مَعَنَا بَرَاءَةٌ مِنَ النَّارِ This is the important part. <laughs> Imam al-Baqir, he says, even we do not possess bara'a min an-nar, like a safety or a safe pass from the hellfire, a pass from the hellfire. We don't have it just because of who we are. When he says, ma ma'ana, for us there is no pass, meaning what? Meaning that just because I am who I am, Imam al-Baqir doesn't, still won't cut it. Ma ma'ana bara'atun min an-nar. This is like, this is, this is I, I love how the Imam is keeping it real. And where does that put some of us today with the ideologies we have of, hey, do whatever you want, like as long as you have love of the Prophet love of the Ahlul Bayt Like in Usul al-Kafi you find hadiths like this one where they are pretty, um, pretty uh, straightforward and pretty strict in their wording. Where they say like, look, you got to do what you got to do. Right? Don't think that this is going to be enough for you just that you say, I love the Holy Prophet or Imam Ali Like the Imams say this, Imam al-Baqir in other hadiths from what I remember, it was Imam Baqir. He says this in other hadiths. Like don't think that it's enough to just say that this is it and you know I love and that's it. No, no, no. Where is the, where is the action? Where is the following the footsteps? Remember we talked about this as well in previous sessions. قُلْ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهِ The Holy Prophet is ordered to tell the people, if you love Allah, follow my footsteps. Yes, follow me, follow my example, Allah will love you back. That's what it's all about, brothers and sisters, at the end of the day, how much action we have. So, وَمَا مَعَنَا بَرَاءَةٌ مِنَ النَّارِ this is something you will find throughout the Qur'an as well. How much action and amal uh, means to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there is nothing special about you. The only thing that matters is how much obedience. Page number 112 will also actually, um, will also be one of those pages or the verse that we're going to cover is going to be one that 
is going to also echo this idea of what matters in Allah's eyes is how much obedience we have towards Him. Now, this is, is going to be a very important verse that we're going to cover. Okay, I want us to remember that this is one of the key verses that uh, for us in our lives. We, I want us to remember this, brothers and sisters. Um, it will highlight the most important, maybe you can say, condition of why our actions or how our actions, good deeds that we do, can be accepted by Allah or rejected by Allah. And that's why the lesson we take from this page, page number 112, is why Allah doesn't accept our good deeds. And this lesson that we're going to actually take comes th to us through the story of the two sons of Adam salam, Habil and Qabil, where most of us have probably heard this story of what happened between these two brothers and eventually one unfortunately, unfortunately killed the other. Okay, let's recite the verse first and then discuss this matter. وَتْلُ عَلَيْهِمْ نَبَأَ بْنَيْ آدَمَ بِالْحَقِّ إِذْ قَرَّبَا قُرْبَانًا فَتُقُبِّلَ مِنْ أَحَدِهِمَا وَلَمْ يُتَقَبَّلْ مِنَ الْآخَرِ قَالَ لَأَقْتُلَنَّكَ قَالَ إِنَّمَا يَتَقَبَّلُ اللَّهُ مِنَ الْمُتَّقِينَ Relate to them truly the account of Adam's two sons. When the two of them offered an offering, it was accepted from one of them and not accepted from the other. One of them said, surely I will kill you. The other said, Allah accepts only from the God-weary, the muttaqeen. So we're going to have to talk about that a little bit. Number one, brothers and sisters, um, is that we can tell right away that um, the condition for the acceptance of a good deed we do, what it is, it is taqwa. That's the verse is saying it very clearly. What is the story very quickly? Habil and Qabil, they made a sacrifice, each of them. Allah accepted one uh, of the sacrifices and not the other. Now, if I remember correctly, we might have hadith for this as well, um, that you know, one kind of like burned and went up. And so that was a sign that Allah has accepted it. But the, the same didn't happen for the other one. Um, I have not looked into the, the hadith. I just remember that there is a hadith on this. Um, yeah, so the research for it, that's on the brothers and sisters. Anyway, the Qur'an is letting us know that it was accepted. So they both knew that one of them got accepted, the other was not. That was made clear to them. And so what happens is Habil and Qabil, uh, Qabil, he, uh, he becomes jealous of Habil, the fact that his sacrifice was accepted. He says, I'm going to kill you. That's how bad jealousy is, by the way. It can push you to the point where you take the life of your own sibling. And so... He says, I'm going to kill you. Now, the answer that Habil gives is important here, is so key that the Qur'an is quoting him as something that is, of course, true. He says, look, you want to know why mine was accepted? If we do good deeds, we want them to be accepted by Allah. Allah will only accept them if we have taqwa as well, if we are of the muttaqeen. It is one thing, brothers and sisters, for something to be valid. It is another thing for it to be accepted. We have to remember this. So here it says, Allah only accepts from the muttaqeen. Okay? Acceptance versus validity. 
when you, for example, pray, okay, when you pray Salat, this Salat, we will have hadith that say half of it is accepted. Why? Because you are only paying attention in half of it. Well, what about the other half? Does that mean I have to make up this Salat? No, it's a valid Salat. You don't have to make it up. But the desired effect you wanted to take away from this, which is the, its acceptance, which means that I would say it will have an effect on your spiritual development and growth. Yes? That doesn't necessarily, necessarily come with validity, validity. Yes, your Salat is Sahiha. It is not batila, you don't have to make it up. But did it have the desired effect? 20%, 30%, 50%, 70%? The hadith will tell us. So we will have different forms of worship that might have different conditions for their acceptance. But there is one con universal condition for all of our good deeds being accepted. Accepted once again meaning what? Meaning having their desired effect, not that they are invalid. What is that condition? إِنَّمَا يَتَقَبَّلُ اللَّهُ مِنَ الْمُتَّقِينَ Allah only accepts from the muttaqeen. So what does this taqwa mean? I've alluded to this before um, and I will explain again. Taqwa literally, when you have taqwa of something, that means you are aware of it. Aware meaning wary of it, careful of it. You're not going to get on its nerves. You're not going to uh, put yourself in trouble with it. Okay, With Allah and having taqwa Allah, how do I make sure that I am careful of God? How am I sure that I do not bring about and cause the wrath of Allah? Well, as long as I'm listening to Him, there's no reason for Him to be angry at me. That is taqwa, brothers and sisters. That is what taqwa implies. I know there are different definitions for it. I know there are different equivalents for it. Yes, one says God wary, one says God conscious, one says fear of God and all of that. Um, some will say it's a disposition one is supposed to have, a malaka they call it. Um, others will, might say other things. All in all, brothers and sisters, I'm just sharing with you what I have gotten from some of the greats, is that taqwa practically will entail the fact that I refrain from sin and disobedience of Allah. And if that is what taqwa entails, brothers and sisters, when it's when here it says, إِنَّمَا يَتَقَبَّلُ اللَّهُ مِنَ الْمُتَّقِينَ only Allah, Allah only accepts from those who have taqwa. That means that if you want your special good deed, whether it's a wajib one or a mustahab one, if you want it to have uh, that special spiritual effect, if you want it to be accepted and maqbool عند Allah in Allah's eyes, you have to try your best throughout the day to be an obedient servant of Allah. Let me give you an example. It's like saying, this is not a good example, okay? I don't want you to take uh, misunderstand the example. I want you to get the part where I'm trying to make this comparison. The example itself is not the best of examples. But let's just say that you have a friend that throughout the day you make fun of him. You might slap him up sometimes. And then you know, you also offer him or her a gift, right? Your friend is going to be like, hey, look, don't give me a gift. I just, just don't be, just don't hurt my feelings throughout the day. Don't make me upset. Don't slap me throughout the day, right? This gift that you're giving me, now sometimes you're giving the gift to apologize. That's a different story. But no, I'm just saying all in all, let's just say you like your friend a lot. You bother him or her, but at the same time you want to give them a gift too. But that person is going to be like, look, what does this gift even mean to me? Like You're trying to tell me you love me? Okay, if you love me, 
Don't do things that hurt me. Don't do things that make me upset. Yes? That's what you should be trying to do. It's like saying you slap somebody in the face, but then you bring them like 50 roses or something. Like, no. That's not how, how it works. Give me one rose, but don't hurt my feelings or go against what I want from you or you know things like that throughout the day. That's just an example. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with Allah, this is what sometimes we do. We disobey Him here and there, left and right. We might you know, disrespect our parents, shout at them, astaghfirullah, I don't know, hurt people's feelings, look at things we're not supposed to look at, listen to things we're not supposed to listen to, and so on and so forth. But then we do some mustahab acts, or even some of the wajib acts, and we feel like, okay, God is going to accept it. No, it's valid. That means you don't have to make it up, but is it necessarily accepted? Well, does it meet all the conditions? One of the main conditions is to have taqwa throughout the day. And so if I want my mustah, if I'm giving sadaqah, for example, wonderful, that's great. And I will get sawab, inshallah. I will get thawab and rewards for that. But acceptance, meaning the desired effects of that act on me in this life, for example, my spiritual growth and development such that I'm moving closer and closer and closer to Allah so that eventually I can see Him with the eyes of the heart. Not necessarily. And I'm saying this just echoing what the akhlaq teachers that, you know, you would sit in the presence of in the past, I uh, would say. That's all, I'm, that's all I'm echoing right now, what they would say. If you want your a'mal to get accepted, if you want them to um, get you closer to Allah, I, I can't stress enough what I mean by acceptance here. I don't want anyone to think that if you know you sinned once, that, that means anything good you do is not, it's not, not, it has no benefit for you. No. I'm talking about the special spiritual growth and closeness to Allah. That's what I'm talking about when I say acceptance. Or else thawab, or else, you know, kafaratul dhunub, and, and, you know, our sins being um, forgiven as a result of some of the good deeds. All of this is there, right? I'm talking about special spiritual growth here when I say acceptance. All right. So if we want to make sure that what we do is accepted, we want to make sure that we clean up our spiritual diet throughout the day of how much obedience and disobedience we have towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why Amir al-Mu'mineen alayhi salam, he has that famous line and that wonderful line where he says, now this is in Usul al-Kafi, but I, I think it's in, it might be in Nahj al-Balagha as well, I'm not sure, but it's in Usul al-Kafi for sure. It says, لا يقل عمل مع تقوى وكيف يقل ما يتقبل like it is exactly echoing what this verse of the Qur'an says. That Imam Ali salam says, Look, no act is small if you have taqwa next to it. Ma'a taqwa. Okay? If you, have if you did it sincerely. And I'm going to add my understanding here, which is like you are obeying Allah throughout the day. You have taqwa Allah throughout the day. So you have a small deed but next to it you have something big that is taqwa. Yeah? This is not small anymore. And I usually use this example here of a small and big thing next to each other. You know, back in the day, when we were kids, uh, you know, sometimes <laughs> in our center, we would have, um, in the center that I was growing up in, um, you would have uh, on those bigger nights and bigger occasions, you would have people who would come from far and wide and um, you'd, you'd never seen them. You'd just see them on that night, for example. 
And so we weren't friends with the other kids that were come, showing up once or twice a year to the center, right? We didn't know them. And so they would sometimes, we would get into little, you know, fights or arguments. We're kids, you know, what, what, what do you expect? And so <laughs> that little kid might have been half your height, right? And he would come and push you. You're like, dude, like I can beat you up in no time. But then this kid was holding the hand of his cousin, who's now double your, your, your size and can take care of you in a minute or two. <laughs> So that little kid is nothing, is insignificant, but because he or she is holding the hand of someone bigger, all of a sudden that little tiny kid becomes very big. It rubs off on them. So here, similarly, Imam Ali he says, look, if you have a small action, don't, don't uh, underestimate it. Why? Because if it's holding the hand of the big brother of taqwa, then the bigness, the greatness, the significance of the taqwa will rub off on this and make it also big. It is going to be big. And do you want to know why I say it's big? Ali ibn Abi Talib says, السلام, Do you know why it's big and not small? How can it be small? That which is accepted. So you see, brothers and sisters, this is an exact... Um, Echo of what the verse was saying that we recited. Two things were highlighted there. Makbuliya. Number one, which is uh, acceptance. And number two, taqwa. Here also, Ali ibn Abi Talib, he says, don't underestimate anything. Why? Because if it's accepted, because it comes with taqwa, it is big. So that's what we should be after, brothers and sisters. The acceptance of our a'mal, the quality not quantity necessarily. There will be some who will go all out on the mustahabbat. But when it comes to the wajibat and the muharramat, they're not observant of them. Well, this will eat away at the desired effect you are trying to achieve through these mustahab acts. Yes? So this is why when you read, when you open up these books of spiritual wayfaring and all of that, all of these greats, the first thing they say is, look, First, you need to try your best to reach a point where you are not sinning as much anymore. And if you do, you get up on your feet again, you do tawbah and you try your best not to repeat it. No, none of us are ma'asum, brothers and sisters, without a doubt. And no one is saying to be ma'asum. But let's get the priorities straight. You cannot be sloppy in the wajib and haram and then think that the mustahabat will do the work for you. That is not the case at all. And we have other hadiths as well, famous hadiths, that say this to us, that look, the best way to get close to Allah is through obedience of Him first and foremost, and obedience of Him, of course, is going to be wajib and haram first. Inshallah, Allah gives us tawfiq. That verse, brothers and sisters, is a key verse that we need to always remember. Okay, this is what the hierarchy looks like. This is what the priorities look like. Page number 113 of the Holy Qur'an Taking the life of one person equals taking the life of all people. This is a famous verse that a lot of people know and recite and you know share on social media these days and so on. Um, so this is a one of the conclusions that is drawn, one of the outcomes of the story of Habil and Qabil in which Qabil eventually killed his brother Habil, unfortunately. One of the outcomes of this story is that Allah made it clear to Bani Israel and others as well. We have this 
I mean, this is a teaching that is there for all faiths, that you're not allowed to uh, take the life of a person unjustly without any proper reason. And trust me, the proper reasons for it are very limited. So let us recite the verse, inshallah. Verse number 32 of Suratul Ma'idah. مِنْ أَجْلِ ذَلِكَ كَتَبْنَا عَلَى بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ أَنَّهُ مَنْ قَتَلَ نَفْسًا بِغَيْرِ نَفْسٍ أَوْ فَسَادٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ فَكَأَنَّمَا قَتَلَ النَّاسَ جَمِيعًا وَمَنْ أَحْيَاهَا فَكَأَنَّمَا أَحْيَا النَّاسَ جَمِيعًا وَلَقَدْ جَاءَتْهُمْ رُسُلُنَا بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ ثُمَّ إِنَّ كَثِيرًا مِّنْهُمْ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ فِي الْأَرْضِ لَمُسْرِفُونَ that is why we decreed for the children of Israel that whoever kills a soul without its being guilty of manslaughter or corruption on the earth is as though he has killed all mankind. And whoever saves a life is as though he had saved all mankind. Our apostles certainly brought them manifest signs, yet even after that, many of them commit excesses on the earth. They, you know, overdo things and they overgo, over, um, uh, they overstep the boundaries that have been step, set for them. Alright, so as you can all see, like this and this verse right here, the most important part in it, uh, I would say, is the part where it says, جَمِيعًا A very heavy statement, a very big statement that's made here. That whoever takes the life of one person is as if they have taken the life of all mankind, all people. Very interesting. So there are so many opinions on what exactly does this even mean? Now you see on social media, people are always you know, sharing this here and there, but if you ask them what does this even mean, I do not think they would be aware of exactly what the tafsir of this verse is, but it just sounds cool, right? And that's something that we have today, that things sound cool. So number one, we will attribute it right away to Imam Ali salam, although it's not really a hadith, just because something is nice, brothers and sisters, doesn't mean you just write Imam Ali under it. Imam Ali said this, right? That's not how narrating hadiths works. But hey, it's the 21st century and we're in the, we're in the social media age and uh, anyone who has a phone is entitled to post things any way they feel that is, is, is good and acceptable and necessary. Anyway, let me stop venting here. Um, here... Uh, if you were to try to look into this and see, okay, well, what does this even mean? I don't think a lot of people would be able to answer because even with the Mufassirin, they're not 100% clear about it when you look into it. Now, but I will explain what we do get out of this verse for sure. But for now, let's see if we can break it down a little bit, see what the different opinions are regarding this verse and this part of the verse especially, right? First things first though, min ajli dhalik, right there in the beginning it says, that is why it says, right? That is why, meaning what? Meaning after this story of Habil and Qabil and what happened there, like because of that kind of stuff, we have to make it clear that, look, this is not acceptable. Okay? What happened is there should not be repeated. Now, let's go to that, that main line. So I'm going to share two opinions that are out there in regards to this part of the verse. What does it mean when, when it says, if you take the life of one person, it is as if you have taken the life of all people. One tafsir, one interpretation and explanation of this part of the verse holds that when a person unjustly takes the life of someone, 
that shows that they are okay with taking the life of anybody out there actually. When you prove and manifest that which is within you, all right, you prove to the world that which is within you. You allow to manifest that which is within you, which is you, your lack of caring for any for life of this person that you're about to take. When you do that and you take that person's life, na'udhu billah, na'udhu billah, we seek refuge in Allah from that. When you do such a thing, it shows that you don't care about the life of anybody out there because this person had done nothing wrong. There's nothing special about this person. If they had done something wrong, that's a different story. But if they haven't done anything wrong and you take their life, that means you look at, the same way you look at this person, you look at all the people out there. That's why it's as if. It's not like you have actually killed all the people out there, but it's as if right? You, you've killed all the others out there. Yes? So that's one interpretation of the verse. But there is another one, and that one belongs to which is a little more lofty and deeper, I would say. But in a nutshell, in a nutshell, this is what he says. He says that true, we are all human beings and different human beings on the face of the earth. But there is one thing that brings us all together, and that is the humanity within us. Okay? That humanity that we all share, it isn't diverse as we get diverse in numbers, right? We don't, we, let's say there's billions of people on the face of the planet. Yes, there are billions of examples of human being on the face of the earth. True. And so they are diverse. They are, they, there's multiplicity there, right? There's numbers there. But that does not mean that the humanity within all of us is not shared as one unit, one unified essence and existence. That's what he kind of says. And so when you take the, the life of one person, because we are all connected through humanity, right? One humanity, one concept, one idea of humanity, let's say, then when you take that life of that one person, it's, you, it's like you have affected everyone out there. It is as if you have taken the life of everyone out there because we are all connected through this soul. Yes, this humanity, let's say, I don't want to say soul, this humanity that brings us all together as one. So that's something that he says. Now, this is something to, to, to do research in. And of course, um, that is beyond the scope of this talk right now. But all in all, I'm just scratching the surface here of how he looks at it. We get an idea of how he's looking at it. He, see, he says, I see multiplicity when it comes to the people. When it comes to the humanity of the people, I don't see multiplicity. I see one grand reality bringing everyone together as a matter of fact. And so whichever part of it you scratch, it's as if you scratch the whole thing. All right, but okay, so that if we're unclear and not 100% sure what is exactly meant and what the exact explanation of the verse is, that is kind of, you can say, is beyond the point though. Because the point that the verse is making is very clear, that this is something big. Do not take lightly taking the life of, of a person. In other words, 
if someone was to walk up to you one day and say, "Hey, uh, hey, uh, did you know that uh, there's somebody out there who took the life of all of all of the human beings on the face of the earth?" You're going to be blown away. Of course, you will first ask, "Then what about me and you? We're having this conversation, so we're still alive." But anyway, just <laughs> theoretically speaking, here. If someone says, look, other than me and you, there's this person out there who took the life of everyone on the face of the earth. How, uh, how, how, how great a deal is that going to be? How heavy is that going to be? That's going to be huge. It's going to be a huge deal, right? Someone who took the life of billions of people? Well, let me let you know. This guy's telling us, right? Let me let you know that Taking the life of one person is just like this. How that is, what the explanation is, we don't know. We're not sure. Right? Although, as I said, there are opinions on this matter, and I shared a couple of them. But even if you're not sure, all you know is that this, in one, in, in, from, once, from one perspective, this equals that. How big a deal is it if they tell you someone took the life of all, of human, all the human beings on the face of the, of the earth? It'll be a huge deal. Well, just letting you know that if you take one person's life, it's as if that's happened. How great is it going to be? Same thing here. So you better be very careful about this. This is not something to be taken lightly. Now, having said that, and, and, and being able to take at least this much from the verse of how great a deal this is, taking the life of one person is a very big deal and it should never be taken lightly, I want to touch on something else as well. This is not saying now that a person who takes a hundred lives, for example, is equal to the one who takes one life. No, 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 no. Let's not fall on this side of the extreme. Because I have heard people have said this to me before, right? And I've asked them to make sure. I'm like, are you saying that a person on the Day of Judgment who's taken one life is equal to the one who's taken a hundred lives. He said, yes. I was like, no, 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 that's not what the verse is saying. And the tafsirs of the Qur'an have also mentioned that that's not what this verse is saying. And it doesn't want you to take this con uh, or draw this conclusion from it. right? What it's saying is that it should, be, it should not be taken lightly and it is that bad. But does it mean that they're equal now in the sense of, if I take one person's life, it's as if I've taken all of humanity's life, so might as well take another 99 people's lives as well. No, that is the dumbest thing I ever heard, almost. All right? Um, you might ask, what is the dumbest thing? Some might say putting pineapple on pizza, right? Although, when I heard it, I was like, that is very dumb. But when I had it, it wasn't too bad, actually. Anyway, that uh, that's, uh, has nothing to do with what we're talking about right now. Let's go back to one of the dumbest things that w one can believe in because this can destroy your akhirah. To say that, okay, I killed one person, so now, you know, um, it's as if I've killed all of humanity. So, and there is no difference between me and a person who kills 100, so let's go for another, another 99. Who in their right might even says something like that? Or believe something like that? But, hey, I've heard it before. And so we have to make this clear then, it seems. That no, that's not what this verse is implying now. As a matter of fact, in Islam, what you'll find our scholars are always emphasizing is that the lesser evil is better than the greater evil. If you have to choose between the lesser evil and the greater evil, then you have to choose the lesser evil. You can't just sit back and say, I'm not going to choose any. You have to, if you have to choose one, at least choose the right one. There are some people out there, they still have not, they still don't have a grasp of this very, I would say, very basic and axiomatic, self-evident um, 
uh, idea of the lesser evil always supersedes the greater evil. That if we have to choose one, we'll choose this one. Some people say, no, I don't want to choose any. Yeah, excuse me. I would, I would love to choose the one, uh, an option that there is no evil in it at all. But if you have no choice but lesser evil versus greater evil, then of course the lesser evil is to be chosen. Some people will take this verse, okay, to conclude that the lesser evil equals the greater evil, and so it doesn't matter. No, 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 no. We have this idea in Islamic law, in Islamic fiqh, that if you have to choose, if you have to choose between lesser evil and greater evil, then choose lesser evil. It's not like, ah, uh, no, 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 no. If you choose a lesser evil, you're a bad person because there's because evil is evil, no matter what. The verse is saying, if you take one person's life, it's as if you've taken all of humanity's life. No, no, no. That's not how it works. If you have to choose the lesser evil, if I know. If I know that uh, um, me, you know, having a haram meal is going to save my life, right? Because I'm stuck in the desert. That's a lesser evil versus greater evil, right? I have to, I have to make this choice. No one can say, "Oh, no, 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 no." You, there's at the end of the day, you did something bad, so it's it's as if you did the same thing, the greater evil. No, that's not how it works, brothers and sisters. I don't want to get into certain examples or I, uh, um, ideas in regards to this. I'm holding back on that. If you can guess, then all the better. But there are some people out there who will say, no, 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 uh, I'm not going to choose any. That's not how it works sometimes. Sometimes you have no choice. I'm saying this not when it comes to taking people's lives. That's a different story altogether. I don't want anyone to misunderstand here. Yes. All I'm saying is two misunderstandings that we have in regards to this verse. Number one, um, a person who has no choice but to choose lesser evil and greater evil, if they choose the lesser evil, people condemn them. They say, oh, you chose the, something that has evil in it. No, we're supposed to. No, we have no other choice, number one. Number two, the verse is not saying that these two are equal now and that a person who takes one person's life is as if they take in 99 other people's lives as well. No difference. No, there is a big difference and that person is going to be more responsible on the Day of Judgment. Okay, so Islam is very, very clear that you have to stay away from any of this altogether as much as possible. All right, verse. Uh, let's move on to page number 114. Why does God randomly punish whomever He desires? Is that even fair? So, wait a minute, where, where, is, where are you getting this from, Mr. whoever you are who's asking this question? Say, well, I'm getting it from this verse here. Verse number uh, 40 of Surah Al-Ma'idah. The same verse that I said we'll get to today that was part of the first verse that we covered in the beginning of our um, discussion. So let's recite this verse first. Um, yes, as I said, verse 40 of Surah Al-Ma'idah. أَلَمْ تَعْلَمْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ لَهُ مُلْكُ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ يُعَذِّبُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيَغْفِرُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ do you not know that to Allah belongs the kingdom of the heavens and the earth? He punishes whomever He wishes and forgives whomever He wishes. And Allah has power over all things. So a person might read this and they'll be like, wait a minute, God, look at, that's not fair. God is just randomly uh, saying that we need to, uh, that He's going to punish whoever He wants and Forgive whoever he wants. This guy, you look good, I'm going to forgive you. Hey, your skin color is this, I'm going to forgive you. Hey, you, you're from that tribe, I'm going to kill you or punish you. Is that what, what this verse is saying? Because it says, يُعَذِّبُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ Punishes whomever he wants. 
It's what I want, not what you want. What anybody else wants or says, it's what I want. God is like, so unfair, astaghfirullah. You know, is that what it's saying? Well, let's look at the previous verse actually. Those of you who have a Quran in front of you. The previous verse says, فَمَنْ تَابَ مِنْ بَعْدِ ظُلْمِهِ وَأَسْلَحَ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يَتُوبُ عَلَيْهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ I kind of, you could, I, might, I might say I didn't bring this verse purposely um, in our slides so that uh, one can see, if you don't look at things in context, how big a mistake or big a misunderstanding one can have of a verse. The previous verse is saying, whoever, after their dhulm, after crossing the red lines, after that, whoever does tawbah, repents, returns to Allah, wa aslaha, does good, fixes things up, Allah yatubu alayh, Allah will, uh, will accept their repentance and turn back to them as well. Inna Allah ghafurur rahim, Allah is merciful, for all forgiving. And then this verse comes, alam ta'lam, so do you not know that Allah, everything belongs to Him? He, everything is His. So He can do whatever He wants. And so He will punish whoever He wants and will forgive whoever He wants. Well, the previous verse let us know who He wants forgiveness for. Brothers and sisters, please pay attention to this. The previous verse told us who He wants forgiveness for, the ones who repent and fix things up. What more, what, what, how much easier could it get? That's what he wants it for, who he wants it for. And in other words, what can we conclude from this? That he will not want forgiveness and will want punishment for those who don't do tawbah, who don't fix things up again. So does God randomly forgive and randomly punish? That's not what the verse said. If the verse had said, Allah, He punishes randomly whoever He wishes, then yeah, we would have a problem. But that's not what it says. It says, He forgives whomever He wishes. Well, the previous verse told us who He wishes to forgive. The one who wishes and wants and desires forgiveness by doing tawbah and fixing things up. Right? What more could you ask for? How much clearer can it be? But this is what happens when you take things out of context or you compare God to yourself. If I compare God to myself, that's what's going to happen. Because when, when, if I do something, if I, if I say, if I come up to you and say, "Hey, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this to whoever I want," well, that means that okay, it's gonna be, uh, I'm gonna choose somebody that, you know, my choice is going to be influenced by a million different things that might not be the best thing. Even there might be someone more deserving, but I don't give it to them. That's random. That is doing something not based on wisdom and others deserve it, how much they deserve it. That, that's, that's wrong. That's random. But why is it that when Allah uses the same wording, we all of a sudden jump to the way we see it for ourselves? When Allah says, I'll do it, I will forgive, forgive whoever I want, all of a sudden we find ourselves saying, okay, He's doing this randomly. He's doing it. No, that's us, brothers and sisters. We do things randomly. We do things based on our personal interests. Our decisions are influenced by things that are not maybe the wisest sometimes. That's not the, that's not the case with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's always based on how much a person deserves it, how much wisdom that, uh, is in that decision and so on and so forth. So if a person is going to actually understand this verse the way it's supposed to be understood, I would say when it says he 
punishes whomever he wishes and forgives whomever he wishes. You might want to say he punishes whomever he wishes, right? Based on wisdom, based on a lot of things that have to do with us and our decisions, based on whomever yes, doesn't repent versus whoever does repent. All right. So as you can see, the previous verse told us who he wishes it for, forgiveness for, and that's for whoever does tawbah and islah. Which what we can uh, deduce from this is that, well, he's not going to wish forgiveness for those who don't do tawbah. And that and what, what that is going to entail is his punishment. right? So you, that was, I would say, that is an example of a tafsir of Qur'an with the help of other verses or another verse of the Qur'an. The previous verse made it clear to us what Allah means when He says, this is who I'm going to forgive whoever I want and punish whoever I want. And brothers and sisters, I want you to keep this in mind. You will have maybe tens of verses, maybe in the 20s and 30s of verses that will use this wording. But once again, we have key verses that are explaining um, these such verses and so we don't want to misunderstand them ever inshallah ta'ala walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Allahumma nawwir qulubana bilquran wa zayyin akhlaqana bilquran wa najjina minal nari bilquran wa adkhilna aljannata bilquran Allahumma ij'alil qur'ana lana fi dunya qarina wa fil qabri munisan wa ala sirati nura wa fil jannati rafiqan wa minal nari sitran wa hijaba وإلى الخيرات كلها دليلا برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته